Welcome everyone to episode 6 of the Beautiful Maze podcast, a pod which just explores the odds, directions our, our brain tends to take and hopefully makes it acceptable for people to share their emotions, their feelings and the challenges that we face on on a day-to-day basis. Evening, mate. Good evening. So first things first, we're the realist. Big shout out to our listeners slash listener from the country of Nepal. Namaste or Namaskara. I'd love to go to Nepal. I've never been there. Any thoughts or... Um, well, I don't know much about Nepal other than I watched a good French film about a lad from a French kind of council estate who to prove his love to his this girl he was trying to go out with he decided to climb Everest and he'd never been up a mountain before and he actually did it it's a true story really mm. presumably with lots of training because you know Everest you know, like is... it, it was like an mate there was probably more training than was portrayed in the film to make it look more extreme but he'd never been up a mountain in his life wow I'd love to go to Nepal make... you know this is, this is a bit controversial because we've had you know this one listener, or probably possibly two listeners, based on our analytics, is going to get m- more, you know, attention and airtime than all our folk from the United <laughs> Kingdom, United States. But the fact is, we've never been to Nepal, and all my own my knowledge of it is just, you know, little photos I've seen of Kathmandu and Everest, obviously, and Nepalese food, which I, I'm a big fan of. Are there any other flags in the world that are that shape? Yeah. I think that's the only oh, one which has that which has, yeah. has that amazing, you know, shape. Which well, we had Nepalese of. food, mate. Do you remember when me and you had Nepalese food in Manchester at that street place? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember that? That was Nepalese. Anyway, that's what that's on the bucket list. Really need to go. Mm. Go to Nepal. Listen, if you've been to Nepal, then just email thebeautifulmaze at gmail dot com mm. and tell us about it. Basically, tell us what to do if we ever do hypothetically go there. Nima's Nima's been to Tajikistan, but he's never been to Grimsby. No. So you now you need to tick off Nepal. But will you tick off Nepal before or after Hull? I've been to Hull a few times. Been to Hull three times. <laughs> yeah. Kingston upon Hull. Capital culture, mate. You've got to you've got to go to the capital of culture. I quite liked you know, it. Yeah, been once. Should any other city be the capital of culture in the United Kingdom, then I would visit it. I love that mm. in. Um, do you remember when Hull was capital of culture and loads and loads of blue nudists created something called, what was it called the Sea of Hull? And <laughs> have you seen what Google? Year was that? That was I think it was when they when they got awarded the capital of culture. But Google Sea of Hull or Google Hull Blue Naked. Look at the images there, and it's one of the most shocking. Well, not shocking, but fascinating sites you've ever seen. Just it's like a it's like a infinite blue man group which is naked. I mean, obviously, I'm taking some risks by typing this into my... Oh, my goodness. That's genuinely <laughs> quite unbelievable. I mean, that is absolutely... Un- it's good knowledge that you knew that, and it's absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. And it's not really, like, a disturbing image. It's more just incredible. Yeah. Hull. Got to go. So that's that. Um, Nepal. Yeah, namaste, as I say. And Welcome. Yeah, we've just had... Uh, Easter oyster. So Andrew, how was your how was your Easter? 
And how did your like your like of um, your you know your preference towards cacao based products square with your eating based objectives? No, I know. Well, it, it was quite nice because on the Saturday it was really warm. Or was it the yeah. Friday? One of the two was really warm. Um, so we went. We did. We were allowed to go in gardens, aren't we? So we went to my mum's garden and had an Easter egg hunt in the garden with the kids. And she hid them around the garden, but I actually fell asleep on the lawn in the sun, which is <laughs> an, an unbelievable. Obviously, that meant I contributed nothing to the Easter egg hunt, but it was quite a privilege to be able to be in the sun and sunbathing yesterday. She could have hidden the chocolates underneath you or something. <laughs> so that was quite nice, really. And then I I did nine holes of golf and took my two oldest kids with me. Um, that was quite nice. That was really nice, actually quite hard work when because they're just about learning golf so it was quite hard work to have two of them at the same time but it was an enjoyable and then easter sunday we did the usual um you know the usual performance with the eggs and the rest of it yeah i don't know mo- mostly mostly laura organizes most of that and i just kind of chip in a bit i visited my parents in my um support bubble uh during the uh first covid19 lockdown and for me, the egg theme of Easter was uh, in relation to our hens. We've got five very lovely uh, hens, and they're all fluffy. They're all a bit spoilt, but they were busting their guts out over the weekend. Egg, one egg a day from even the smallest mm. hens. We've got a miniature silky bantam who we hatched. Mm. Well, she hatched under the uh, one of the other silkies. And, you know, she was putting the effort in just popping out a little miniature egg every day. And yeah, I just um, was just hanging out with them. The weather was great. They were just constantly coming up to me and being really curious and um, you know, inquisitive as hens or all birds I want to do. And yeah, I ate their produce, eggs and omelets, mm-hmm. French toast. Yeah, it was interesting. I, I'm, I mean, I, I, I'm an omnivore still, but I, I'm feeling increasing guilt about the fact that uh, I eat um, uh, the flesh of the species which we share this planet with. So the eggs of my hens less guilty because you know they they are so spoiled. The hens they have they have a, I think a really good quality of life for hens in, in a big garden, going around to finding worms, just having fun. Mm-hmm. My my mother makes them a banquet three or four times a day of you know seeds, grapes, uh, all the foods that they like basil. So they get like a luxury service. Um, <laughs> but I watched this film called Seaspiracy, which was you, Andrew, are pretty much vegan. Yeah. Um, and your, your children certainly are. They're better um, than me. Yeah. But Seaspiracy really made me think twice about eating salmon and seafood. Mm. Especially mm. the, uh, I mean, it's not quite the images of the Faroe Island whale massacre, which I already knew, and the, you know, whaling in, in Japan. But it's, it's the image which I, which I wasn't aware of of this huge the huge kind of trawler nets just sweeping the uh, the seafloor yeah. and just all the kind of just just how much of this beautifully rich and diverse ocean floor just gets sweeped up mm. you know there was a bit of kind of narrative um salesmanship with the with the film i'm not i'm not entirely sure how i, I i've gathered i've really briefly read a few reviews or skim read a few reviews which say that there's a bit of um misinformation perhaps i'm not sure but it just had an impact on me so has that has had an impact on my um 
uh, eating practices. I think already of this week, I've just had vegetarian food for the last three days, maybe subconsciously impacted by that. Some of these documentaries, um, there were the things that pushed me to being proper vegetarian. You watched the cow, Cowspiracy, didn't you? The yeah, Cowspiracy, What the Health. There's a few others as well at the time. Yeah. Um, but I, they definitely pushed me to being vegetarian. I'm still not a, a, I'm a bit of a failed vegan still, but, you know, I, I'm quite happy being a vegetarian and, and maybe one day I'll have the courage to be a fully, fully committed vegan. Yeah. I just crack here and there and have a Yorkie. Do you know what I mean? Great. Got to be merciful on ourselves as well, you know. Exactly. We've got to we can't be too hard on ourselves. You know, we mm. we try, and that's part of this podcast is is for us, and hopefully the listeners, maybe if they can join in with us, um, you know, that's my ambition with this. Mm. But if we have four listeners or if we have forty, it's all good. But I think we've already been, uh, from my perspective, Chief, I'm already happy that we've had some success. I, th- I feel I've had some success in this podcast in my discussions with you and in books in the form of audio books. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and, and that's I've embraced that and I'm really enjoying the audio books. So um, we did a little, there's a, there's a bonus podcast, um, the first bonus that we've done in this uh, series called The Little Bookshelf. When I just go through this just stack of books which is right next to me, you know, it's not definitive, it's just the books which are right next to me as we're recording. And one of them was, um, we talked about just Matt Haig, Matt Haig's um, Notes from a Nervous Planet. That's the first audio book that I went for, and I'm, I'm about two, two-thirds or three-quarters through, and I just absolutely love it. I love the content. I think it's really interesting, and I, I can relate to or agree with all of it in one form or another. But also, I love the audio book format because... I've just really struggled to find the time to sit down and read. Now, maybe I should make more of an effort, but you know, the the occasional time when I have gone into work in person, I I choose to walk to work, and that's half an hour of I can listen to an audio book where I can't read when I'm walking through the street, and sometimes I'll go on. I've got a little treadmill in the corner of the living room. I'll go and have a jog on the treadmill and listen to a book. It's fantastic for me. That's such a great time saver. Or you, good use of time is a better way of saying it. And you know, I'm not going to name the, the biggest audiobook platform because I think I think they've got a little bit of a monopoly at the moment, and I'd rather new companies just provide them a bit of a challenge. But I do think still it's worth it because you know you get the audiobook on whatever subscription or whatever mm. you know single cost. But for me, I've listened to a lot of my audiobooks more than more than once. Yeah, and they provided the value. You know. Yeah. It's a bit of an investment sometimes, but I, th- I think it's worth it. I'm, I'm listening to uh, the latest uh, Harari on the way to work at mm. the moment. I'm quite enjoying that. Well, well you're on the e-bike or on the, in the car? On the e-bike and on, and on the car Okay. Uh, as well. I mean, I listen to the odd podcast too, yeah. but less than I did before. Um, I like, you know, I've I like still my- got a few podcasts on the go. Yeah. Yeah, some of them are helpful and some of them are like mindless football drivel. But I think that's my escapism. I think so. Yeah, I think you know I don't judge um, people having their own what they consider to be mindless interests because we all do. So you know, mm. some person might be into a soap, a popular you know might might watch or or you know might be into the Kardashians 
thing. I, I'm not going to judge them because I'm into All right. eleven people kicking can a you, spherical ball. Sometimes can you can you name the Kardashians? Yes, um, Kimberly is the main one. Uh, Chloe is her taller um, sister. Courtney is Courtney the third one, and they're half um, sisters via. Um, so their stepfather Bruce, Bruce is um oh yeah. sorry Kate, um Caitlin Caitlin Jane. is um Chris is um uh wait wait one of them's Kylie uh, yeah and, and uh, Kendall Kendall but aren't um, there any boys yes there's I'm a boy there's a brother who's called um I don't know and I'm really happy that I don't know because. That was all useful data in my brain, which could have been, you know, a diagnosis. I could have had, could have impacted my. my you could have learned Chinese, or you know, yeah. you, could, you know. So I'm glad I don't know who the brother is, and I, please don't tell me. I'm not going to Google that. I don't. Okay. I don't want. To, I don't want to know who the brother is. I'm not going to tell you, but I am in the process of looking it up because I wanted to know. But I'm not going to say it. Yeah. The the theme for I, I thought we'd have a theme for today's podcast, which is the main overarching theme of the whole whole shenanigans which is you know being able to share and breaking what is a current um you know taboo which is professionals sharing any kind of mental health disturbance Mm. Mm. because of how they judge it will impact the way they're seen by their colleagues perhaps by their peers and you know particularly in, in, in the rat race you know imagine someone in the city who's applying for a competitive new job and people look at their CV and saying, oh, you, you know, you're great. You've got everything we need, but um, your medical says that you're on, I don't know, uh, uh, SSRI, an antidepressant. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we just, we, just, we, we have to, I'm, I'm so sorry. Oh, we're, so, we're so primitive. Yeah. And so I wanted to um, highlight um, one profession, which is that's a professional soccer in America and football in the rest of the world um, players and managers mm-hmm. two people in football over the last two weeks one is the arsenal defender royal arsenal um it's one of the north london football teams alongside tottenham hotspurs two historic teams uh, in soccer and football in the united kingdom and hector Bell- bellerin was someone uh, he's an intelligent uh yeah young he's young a smart fella, smart guy him who um had a injury which um has, has impacted him and, and may, you know, and may impact him in the long term, really. But mm. he had nine months injured with the, uh, with the ruptured cruciate ligament and he found his mental health really, really struggles. And for him, he found happiness and respite in photography. Yes. And so in between his rehabilitation, he just found he was glued to his camera and what was before for him a hobby became something which was almost all encompassing. Mm. He's photographed just day-to-day life. And he's also, through that, been involved with a project where they've donated Instamax in, uh, cameras to kids in Syria. Uh, th- I suppose mm. through his, through his the, 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 you know, the, the power of being a successful footballer, I suppose been able to yeah. curate um, photo- photographs taken by Syrian kids in a, in a refugee camp, which has given him extra satisfaction. So, you know, it's not going to be something which everyone who's 
had a really tough time or uh, um, lost their job or struggled can experience. But at least for him, you know, everyone can struggle men from mental health issues, whatever, however successful or uh, unsuccessful. Uh, sorry, at least how, he's talking about it. Yeah, exactly. He's talking about it. Um, so I thought that was really, yeah, really uh, pertinent. The other one is, is a um, football manager, a very successful football manager, Italian, who just um, resigned from yeah uh, from his job as a the um, coach of a big Italian football team, Fiorentina, Cesare Prandelli, who just mm. said, who just opened up and said, you know, dark cloud has opened has developed inside of me. And um, part of it is the pressure of the job. You know, he's obviously just reading a bit more about him. He's obviously someone who has a lot of um, passion for his work and is very, um, you know, perhaps he sounds like he's someone who's, who's hard on himself, which a lot of people are. Uh, it's a very, all, very much an all-encompassing job, that, isn't it? Yeah. And he just stood down. He says, you know, um, I've had a period of profound distress and it's preventing me from being who I really am. Yeah. He's in his early 60s and he's done something which I, I think is really fantastic, which is to just step back yeah. and and uh, remove himself from that. And I think, but you know... The, honest, the honesty probably is really helpful because just talking about stuff makes such a difference and seeing people on that level in terms of you know, they're very well known and they've high achievers, but they can just talk about stuff openly. That's a good example, isn't it? For people to be able to follow. Absolutely. Chisap Randini says, in life, as well as the good times, there are also dark moments which can get on top of you. Yeah. Uh, I began this experience with joy and love, spurred on by the enthusiasm. Something wasn't right inside. Good for them. The more people talk about it, the better it will be. Yeah. Maybe that's maybe that's too simplistic, but I think it helps. I wonder whether, both of us, um... listener, both of us um, have tickets for a big sports event this summer, and we've been quite excited about that. It's the European Championships 2020 delayed into 2021, one of many sports events and uh, you know other events which have been delayed, but mm. so far are still happening. Other examples are the Tokyo Olympics. Um, yeah, and Football various other going on. Yeah, so there's a bit of uncertainty. Um, both of us have had the two vaccines um, provided by different companies, mm -hmm. obviously. Um, and so theoretically, we should be okay to go to attend a big event, which is socially distanced, and from what I get, from what I've read, we'll have one in four. Um, people compared to what, what the stadium can have. So there'll be, you know, mm. spaces around all of us. But mm. even then, we know there's a bit of uncertainty with this. So our, our, our plan um, or our tickets are for Hampden Park, the national stadium in Scotland, to watch um, mm. Croatia versus the Czech Republic. And then following that, hopefully, a TV match of Scotland versus England, the old enemy. Yeah. I wonder let's just hope we're allowed to go to Scotland by then. <laughs> yeah. I hope so. At that stage, if we go by what, what things were like last year when um things had begun to open up a little bit and 
Mm. We were being told to eat out to help out. Um, oh, yes, Rishi. I'm presuming that um, with the cases falling by that point, because of the natural, um, you know, um, the, the, the effect that the warmth has on virus on coronaviruses mm-hmm. and um, the yeah and the vaccine i'm hoping things will be a little bit more more open so we've us. got about we think we've got about a 50 50 at best maybe one in three chance of getting these because obviously the all the tickets were sold but only twelve thousand seats are allowed to be used so therefore yeah. we've got well technically a one in four but if you discount some people who won't be able to come from abroad. We've probably got a one in three or one in two chance of getting our ticket chosen to go in the stadium. Yeah. Pen- pending the decision. Certainly. We'll see. Andrew and myself, we've been, this is, this is a big, big one for us because Andrew spent the last, you know, best part of the last decade uh, in the family oh, yeah. um, situation has precluded you from perhaps traveling to, international sports events mate the, the, I've, the number of times I've quoted this I'll never ever forget you sending me an email from Brazil saying something on the lines of I've got two tickets for the World Cup final <laughs> if you can fly yourself to Brazil in the next three days the second one's yours <laughs> and I'm reading this with like a two month old child just there thinking oh man <laughs> The the torn emotions. <laughs> yeah. I to be honest, I, I really appreciated the opportunity, and obviously, I couldn't I couldn't come because I was in the throes of dealing with. We had one two year old, and we had one newborn, and I don't think it would have been a good um, domestic decision to have gone to Brazil on my own yeah. for a World Cup final. Absolutely. But yeah. We were, you know, I actually really enjoyed the fact that you. Did, you went to Brazil and you sent me all the little emails of what you, where it was like and yeah. it was great in that sense. At least I had a connection to it and you must have had some unbelievable experiences. Yeah. I do enjoy these international events, whether they're, you know, even if it's a sport that I'm not into. I, I, I went to watch volleyball um, in Japan. It's just the... I don't think you didn't go to Japan to watch volleyball. No, no, I didn't. No, no, no. You in, I, I, was, yeah. I, was in, I was walking around Hiroshima um, and I went to the um, the museum and the um, kind of uh, uh, nuclear um, bomb site yeah. uh, and park, and then I saw adverts on on a wall uh, outside the metro for a volleyball match, and I just thought, you know, what? Why not? And yeah, yeah let's let's go. And I went in, and uh, it was you know a fantastic experience. Mm. So much so that I I went back the next day. Um, that'd be a good that'd be a good quiz to see what how many ob- like different sports have you ever seen you know and what you thought of them yeah like at least once I like volleyball yes I've yeah. been to one volleyball match as well I enjoyed it I would I went... class my most obscure sport that I've been to watch is I went to watch basketball otter professional game Basketball. it was amazing very fast wow very fast small small white ball it's very bouncy a big court, like a squash width, but about four times as long. And they, they absolutely wellied this ball just with their hand. Like a, it wasn't even like a, it was like a half glove in like a 
just padding really, and they just hit it with their hand from like really far out. Pelota. Is, is Pelota the? Is Bas Pelota related to normal Pelota? Is Bas Pelota Pelota? Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's the fastest speed that a ball can move. Yeah. From what I remember it, from. The yeah, that's right. But... They have a they have a um, like a, a hook thing they can use for some some of the games they play, and it the ball kind of goes in this hook and sort of slingshot it towards the wall using this hook thing. Wow. Um, but the version I saw was where they just hit it with their hand. Um, I think there's three versions, one with a hand, a bat and a hook. Um, yeah. It was amazing to see. Yeah, it was like, um, you know, a, a kind of stadium, but it's a one-sided stadium because the other side, one side of the pitch, pitch is the wrong word, we court, has a wall. So you can't have fans on the side of the wall. So the fans are all on the other side. In like a stadium, it was amazing. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. That was wow. a good sport to watch. Plus, uh, my Spanish football team won a trophy for the first time in 34 years. Really, on Saturday, yeah. The Spanish Cup final from 2020 was delayed until this weekend, so it was like almost an entire year they delayed it trying to get the fans in. Anyway, they gave up and had to do it, but they won 1 0. So I have my pals all sending me like these. It's like kind of sad that it had to all be socially distanced, but they were still going crazy. And the, I don't know if you've seen it. The manager did his press conference, but at the very end of it, he took his blazer off, put a team shirt and a scarf on, and just sang like really raucous chants into the microphone and like for the fans. It's amazing <laughs> to see because he was like you know sort of. A, he was a fan before he was the manager, you know. That's amazing. I watched that derby. We, um, when I visited you, you when you were in the Basque Country, yeah, we yeah. went to the stadium and um, I got a ticket from a scalper. You did. Um, went in and I was sitting next to a French guy who didn't speak right. a word of Spanish, but he was a very, very passionate um, Real Sociedad fan. And yeah. we just ended up bonding over um, the fact that neither of us at the time, I, I didn't speak much Spanish. That's, uh, just but did you did you speak to him in French or English? Yeah, yeah I spoke to him in, in kind of called French at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Yeah. That's the the fan culture, isn't it? Yeah, I've got to the time. point where the fan culture interests me more than the actual game. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's just hope we can get to this tournament in the summer. So I've been telling people about green spaces in places mm. of work and even just having, you know, just a little plant, mm. but especially in hospitals and clinics, sometimes, you know, just not just for the patients, but for the staff as well and the families and um, visitors, you know, you go to hospital, it's quite, if it's a really, really sterile experience, yeah, it can be quite a, you know, dispiriting thing. You just think, I just don't want to go to hospital again, just wait for four get hours. Cacti. Yeah. Get a cactus, cactus or cacti you know sometimes a fish tank yeah all that kind of stuff but we've got something which has been a really good initiative which is a, a, a we've got a staff relaxation hub in my hospital which got set up two months ago and um i went there, i visited it just out of interest a few times and sitting in there was a chaplain well two chaplains for the the, the two different branches of christianity in, in my hospital and um <laughs> and <laughs> a psychologist yeah. Um, and they were all really, they all, you know, I was the first person to probably seen in the day because they all kind of pounced on me and just wanted to chat to me. Hmm. And so in practice, it probably perhaps wasn't as relaxing as I, I wanted it to, 
the beer. Seems quite over-resourced. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the room itself, it was nice. It had loads. It had a big fridge full of water, which I, and I grabbed one of the bottles. It had a coffee machine, an espresso, which for me always, you know, I'm always happy with. <laughs> but it didn't have any windows, which I, uh, which I didn't like too much. And it had a big piece of abstract artwork, which, you know, was something to look at, but it didn't have any plants. And I just, my feedback to everyone was just get, you know, get a bit of green in there because... Did they listen? Yeah, they said, you know, they, they, or, or everyone I spoke to has said, yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of gardening or I'm, you know, I like having something to look at, which is, uh, you know, a, a plant, a green mm. thing. So they gave me good feedback, but still I've been in and it hasn't quite changed. So A lad I work with who has been listening a little bit, and um, he, he's massive into um, like he's got an allotment, oh. and and also as well as the allotment, various um, animals and stuff on a small farm, I think. But he was saying he he'd be interested in talking about the connection between mental well-being and time outdoors and like tending to plant happiness that is derived from the creative aspects of horticulture, gardening, yeah. and particularly having your own allotments, you know, going somewhere, meeting people, if, if it's a shared allotment, you know, growing the crop, the satisfaction when the crop grows, the satisfaction of bringing the crop home and, and eating it, cooking it, sharing yeah. it, all that stuff, you know, it's multifactorial. Get him in. Keeping animals, you know, looking after animals. I, I get so much satisfaction and happiness when I get to my parents' place and I see the hens, and you know, hens. I don't. I don't think they remember me. Maybe they do. I, I don't know. But I just enjoy. I enjoy just getting a you know fistful of seeds and just them plonk, plonking their heads. We've got three Polish, two Polish hens uh, with bubble bowl hat hairdos, two silkies, which are just fluffy, and one gold top, which is a mixed breed. And all five of them are just. We've got five completely different personalities, so it's just pleasant to 